thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to a special episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Erod, and with me, as always, is a man who is most certainly not cranky because he has a new baby, Mike <laughs> Vandebogart. Oh, thank you, Joe. And uh, what's so special about this episode? I was it's stuck in patron mode because oh. we started the last one, and it's special because we're here. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in to this uh, special normal episode. Um, before we get going here, just want to do some quick Patreon shout-outs. Uh, so we've got Jonas Ducat, Liz Finch, Trina Loman, Lauren Williams, Katie Williams, Emma Brockway, <clears throat> and Crystal Austin. So thank you so much for uh, supporting the show. We uh, you see we're in the new studio. We're always adding new equipment and um, couldn't do it without the help from you guys. So thank you so Sometimes much. Sometimes the new equipment <clears throat> makes the show a little worse for an episode or two until yeah. we figure it out. But yes. we, we figure it out eventually. Um, also want to give an episode... A suggestion shout out to a longtime Patreon supporter who left a voicemail back in June of 21 to uh, recommend this case, Robert Troy. Um, this is how backed up we are? Yeah. <laughs> From June of 21? Well, you know, it's a lot of emails, so sometimes oh, yeah. uh, they just get buried. So if we don't get to your suggestion right away, we will eventually get to it. Yes, thank so. you, Robert. Um, also, if you want to call the show, leave a voicemail. You can call th- uh, 208-391-6913. Uh, we'd also like to thank our special sponsor for this episode, uh, Magic Mind. Joe and I are going to be ripping shots of it later, kind of in the middle of the show. So make sure to tune in for that. Um. <laughs> make you drink it. <laughs> um, that was only for video people. Yeah. So uh, also, it, finally, if you want to help support the show, there's many different ways you can do it. You can go to Patreon, YouTube memberships, premium subscriptions on Apple, and um, you can buy stuff from our store and Facebook or our website. And eventually, someday, X will approve our uh, subscription. Yeah, what's up with them? I don't know. They're pretty slow. I've got a blue check mark <coughs> and everything. I know, right? They should be. They should be making it happen for us. Yeah. So, um, other than that, you got anything else to add? Nope. All right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. With over 52 million acres, the U.S. National Park System is home to some of the most breathtaking natural features on the planet. Tens of millions enjoy these parks each year. Join us this week for an installment of National Park Cold Cases as we explore the disappearance on the Hidden Lake Trail.
That's a I, you're well. I said you could move it because I muted you, but that's fine. All right, we're going to be going to the North Cascades National Park, and this is a little point of contention because everywhere you search, it's a little bit different. So um, we ended up just saying it is North Cascades National Park because that is what the National Park Service said it was. So we're going to be talking about the Hidden Lake Trail. Uh, it was what did it say it was in the other? There's like three different. One way it's on uh, it four and a half. So National Park Service lists it as four and a half miles one way. 29. No, I'm talking about the park that it's located in. Oh, uh, yeah. So Mount, one, yeah, one says Mount Baker, Snoqualmie National Forest. Forest. Yep. And then the National Park Service says it's in North Cascade National Park. So we're sticking with that. So for the people who lose their minds <laughs> when we say something that they don't think is right, we are going with what the NPS says. So if you have a problem with that, Take it up with well, your uh, federal government. And we have never covered uh, the North Cascades National Park specifically, so we are going to go with that. And I'm sure a lot of the stuff we're talking about would be applicable to the National Forest that's literally right next door to it. Yes. So. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, you could throw a rock in it. So we're, we're good there. But that was uh, obligatory based on some of the, now that we're getting larger and the comments we get. So the North Cascade National Park is 504,654 acres. Uh, it's 20th uh, based on size in, in its standing. And we are talking about the Hidden Lake Trail. It's an in and out trail that is uh, four and a half miles one way. And it has 2,900 feet of elevation gain. So it's moderately strenuous according to all trails. This is located in Washington State. Uh, it was established on October 2nd, 1968. And it sees about 30,154 visitors per year. And that is of as of 2022. So again, we're starting to get those uh, post-COVID numbers again. Uh, getting better idea of what, yeah, what's going on. This park it isn't visited a lot because it's just um, it's tough to get around in it. Um, so we need to go there. Yeah, I mean it's it's very it's uh, compared to some of the other parks, it's not very easy to get around in. And uh, mountain climbers really love the park, and um, you can they do a lot of like off trail hiking to get to places to climb, which the national park service actually is fine with in this park. Oh, um, because it's so... They actually have like um, a section on safety if you're going off trail, which primarily mountain climbers are doing that. Okay. Rock climbers. I'm guessing they have so few people there, it's not trampling stuff enough where there's... A lot of the locations, the leave just, no trace. Yeah, it's just really hard to get to. Yeah, so. it's kind of like BLM land, where you're well, not going to get campsites, you're not going to get specifics because so few people go out into those areas. Um, so we'll, we'll go over some of the human history in the North Cascades, uh, in the National Park, and the surrounding regions. Uh, begins eight to 10,000 years ago after the end of the last glacial period. So Paleo-Indians slowly advanced from the Puget Sound into the interior mountain region as the glacial ice retreated. Prehistoric microblades, 9,600 years old, have been discovered at Cascade Pass. That is a mountain pass that connects the western lowlands to the interior regions of the park and the Stecken River Valley. The microblades are part of an archaeological assemblage that includes five distinct cultural periods, indicating that people were traveling into the mountains nearly 10,000 years ago. Currently, 260 prehistoric sites have been identified, some dating older than 8,500 years ago. That's really cool. Yeah. And because it's so... Like up there, it's probably not been trampled or ruined either, so it's probably in good shape. Yeah, it's a perfect park to have a lot of these prehistoric sites that doesn't see you know millions of visitors every year. 
Yeah. Yeah. We really got to go check that out. I haven't yeah. been up in that in the upper Northwest. It's cool. So uh, interesting facts about the North Cascade National Park. There are over 300 glaciers uh, in the complex, which is what we discovered was like part of it, but south, kind of. And this is why there's a lot of that confusion in the naming. Uh, so that's more than any other park in the lower, lower 48. The major lakes in the park complex were formed by dams and are currently managed by Seattle Power and Light for hydroelectric power. It's widely known that North Cascades National Park is among some of the most rugged places in the United States outside of Alaska, making it one of the least traveled parks in the U.S. Lake Chelan is the third deepest lake in the U.S. and the 26th deepest lake in the world. The Ross Lake Dam supplies more than 20% of Seattle's power requirements. Uh, Alexander Ross was the first non-Native American to cross the North Cascades. Until then, uh, no one had traveled a roundabout journey down the Columbia to Astoria, then up the coast, preferably by sea, to reach Vancouver Island and the Puget Sound. Uh, David Bower, sometimes referred to as the 20th century's Henry David Thoreau and John Muir, was instrumental in gaining passage of the Wilderness Act in 1964, which protects millions of acres of public lands. As the first executive director of the Sierra Club, he led campaigns to establish 10 new national parks and seashores, including Kings Canyon, North Cascades, and Redwood National Parks, and Point, uh, Point Riaz uh, and Cape Cod National Seashores. David passed away at the age of 88 in 2000. That's awesome. That is cool. What, what a, like, what a resume. Yeah. How I cool mean, is that? He did a lot more. That was, I just included that. I mean, you could probably do a whole episode on his contribution. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. He did more than <laughs> yeah. establish 10 national parks and seashores. Yeah. No, that, that's wild. We, we, eventually we should do like a neat, uh, like biography All episode on some of these cool people. People we've discussed. We are always like, Oh, you could do a whole episode on him. Like we should, yeah. or yeah. maybe even a, a, at least a Patreon episode. Yeah. That'd be, no, I like that. Uh, learning about the new people. We could try and find like an expert and get him to come on. And then there we, go. we wouldn't have to do so much of the research. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just ask just questions. Let him it'll, talk. It'll, well, that's what it literally see. Like, that's, what's cool about, um, it's like Rogan's show. Yeah. He knows a little bit about it, but he just brings on the expert and asks questions. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a good learning experience. So that could be fun. So, uh, let's see the North Cascades have more plant species in its boundaries than any other national park in America. I wouldn't have guessed that being yeah, so I, far north. I didn't know that. You would think more of like a, a warm, humid jungle climate would, would have yeah. more, but okay. Extreme variation in rock and soil type, types, exposure, slope, elevation, and rainfall create many diverse habitats within a relatively small area. Right? That makes sense. About 1,630 vascular plant species have been identified in the park's eight different life zones. It sounds like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> life I'm going to sell you, uh, you're going to start in life zone one. And if you stick with the program, you can get to, <laughs> to life, life zone eight. If you buy all this stuff. Yeah, you, no, you have to sell all the stuff to your friends. Well, I mean, first you got to buy it. <laughs> yeah, then it's buy. your problem selling Yeah, it. it's going to sit in your garage <laughs> yeah. until you can offload it to people below you in, in lower zones. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about the climate. Uh, the Cascade Range is tall enough to cause a significant rain shadow on the eastern slopes. Annually, the western portions of the park receive 76 inches more precipitation than the eastern sections. The higher precipitation in the west also correlates to increased snowfall with 400 inches more or more measured in the west than the east annually. 400 inches of snow. That's wild. How many yeah. feet is that? Look that up. <laughs> Jamie, look that up. Uh, on the western slope, 
Snowfall depths range from 50 to 75 inches in lower altitudes, annually increasing to 400 to 600 feet. Uh, 33 Roughly. feet. Roughly. Oh, and then this one goes 400 to 600 inches at elevations between 4,000 and 5,000 feet above sea level. Snow depths peak in early March and range from 10 to 25 feet, depending on altitude. That's insane. That's so much snow. Yeah. That's why they have so many glaciers. The best weather for visiting the North Cascades generally occurs between mid-June and late September. I wonder why. So you're not <laughs> in 35 feet of snow. Yeah. Snow is off all but the highest trails by July. Autumn and spring are becoming more popular for visits since car tours of Skagit, Conaghan, uh, and Staken Valleys, I'm going to get butchered for that, <laughs> are enticing for color and wildlife during the less busy shoulder season. I have like a 10 to 15 word quota per episode. Oh, of like just I, trying to get me? Try to get you. Yeah. What do you think that is? Stecken? S-T-E-H-E? Stecken. Yeah, that Stecken? sounds good. Let's put it in the Google machine because we haven't done that in a while. And I, I like programmed a button to make it pop up automatically. Let's see what it... Hold on, let me turn the computer S volume. Stecken would be my guess. S-T-E-H-K-I-N. I-N. Let's see what it says. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, I lost my mouse. Where'd it go? Here it is. Stecken. I was, I was right. There right. you go. Unless Google's wrong too. That's been uh, the case some of the times also. All right. Uh, the terrain of the North Cascades. Uh, the North Cascades are steep, rugged, glaciated mountains formed by volcanic activity. Sounds like an awesome place, actually. It does. To normal people, that sounds terrible. To like people like us, we're like, yeah. adventure. Yes. Uh, the highest peaks are volcanoes such as Mount Baker and Glacier Peak, which rise more than 10,000 feet. Valley, valley bottoms go down as low as 500 feet. Glacially carved U-shaped valleys in... Uh, I, I always say this wrong. Cirques yeah. are, are prominently featured. I say that wrong, and I've heard it many yeah, times. Yeah, I've heard it a lot. This is like uh, the word that you say for me. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's probably like an easy word, too, that you can say normally, but when you see it, it's probably wrong. Like Cirque. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like key. It's spelled quay. Quay. Yeah, yeah but it's key. key. It's, it's like something. It's probably like Cirque. Probably. Or something like that. All right. Anyway, many rivers drain the North Cascades and flow towards Pu the Puget Sound, including Skagit, uh, Silegmish, <laughs> Snowmish, and Nooksack. The highest point in North Cascade National Park is a Good Mountain at 9,220 feet, uh, feet. The lowest point in the park is Goodall Creek at 605 feet. Uh, just some animals that you'll see in the park. You get mountain uh, mountain goats, bighorn sheep. Uh, you'll see moose and elk, coyotes, uh, gray wolves, red fox, bobcats, cougars, mountain lions, black bear, grizzly bears. This is per the National Park Service, so nobody say anything. <laughs> shut up. Bald eagles, uh, 225 species of birds in total, eight species of reptiles, 13 species of amphibians, and 581 species of invertebrate. There's a lot of varied animals in that park. That is crazy because yeah. you would think colder areas that get that much snow throughout the year would be very hard to survive but apparently not and not only they're surviving they're thriving i mean not only <clears throat> you got to worry about you know moose and elk which can be pretty dangerous if you get too close but yeah you also have gray wolves that are pack animals and they're smart and they're smart and they're you've so got smart. you know cougar mountain lions and then you've got grizzlies yeah i was just <laughs> um i was just reading about bobcats too of it was bobcats or there's something else that 
they've adapted to if they're being tracked by a pack of wolves, yeah. they'll kill a deer and they'll leave kill zones oh. so that when the wolves are tracking them, they'll come upon a kill and leave the the, the cat alone. That's that's interesting. It's it's genius. It's like because uh, the cats are better at catching yeah. deer than the wolves are. So it's all nature's so cool. <laughs> Um, you want to plan for changes in weather. So we're so going to talk about tips okay, for uh, sa- safely hiking the North Cascades. Uh, although the Cascades frequently enjoy summer drought with warm, dry conditions, cool, rainy weather is possible year-round, and higher elevations are colder. Snow is possible in any month, especially at the high elevations in an early or late season. Even in the summer, warm layers and good rain gear are a necessity, and a hat and gloves are often welcome. Dress in layers so you can regulate your body temperature by adding or removing insulation. Yeah, always like an extra pair of gloves and a hat and some shirts is not a lot of weight and not a lot of space. Yeah. So ultralight backpackers are cringing right now because they're cutting off their toothbrushes to save weight, (laughs) but you know what? I do like some comfort when I'm out there. Yeah. Uh, You want to avoid cotton clothing. It is cold and does not insulate well when wet. Instead, bring wool, fleece, or other synthetics with which perform much better in wet and cool conditions. And one thing people don't know, I don't know if we've talked about it, cotton gets wet from sweat. Yeah. So it's not, don't wear cotton because you could get wet, and you're like, oh, it's sunny, I can wear cotton. No, when you're sweating, it's going to absorb it, and then it's wet, and then it's it's not going to be good, especially if it gets dark at night. Yeah. Well, it does get dark at night. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if. Unless if. you're in Alaska. If. Or something erupts, <laughs> and then it's going to be very bright. Uh, safety in the subalpine environment. With a few notable exceptions, most trails typically follow valley bottoms to high passes, as the terrain is usually too steep to follow high ridges. Trails over alpine passes tend to be quite steep, so plan your daily mileage estimates with this in mind. If you are looking for alpine views, remember to factor in potential snow cover in the high country as late as July or even August. You want to travel over steep snow requires sturdy boots, an ice axe, and knowledge of how to self-arrest on steep slopes. There are no trail markers or blazes, so snow cover can make route finding a challenge. That is incredibly dangerous to try and route find on the top of a mountain where there's no trails or trees. And then um, you can always tell people who don't know to use an ice axe because they're using it on the high side. Oh, really? It's, uh, It's, you know, you need to be able to use it depending on where the slope is going. Yeah. Uh, stream. I, wait, I think I just got that backwards. No, I screwed it up. I haven't gone used an ice axe in a while, so I'm just going to shut my mouth. Stream crossing. When I'm talking, Joe will look up the proper use of an ice axe. I will, <laughs> just because I've I've used it now. I like I thought of I'm like wait a minute. No, I think that's wrong. It's it. it I, I've never used an ice axe. I recall. Hiking. I remember when we did it. It was the the guy who was telling us. It's like he said you kind of use it the opposite of what you'd think. Yeah. But the idea is, I think it is in the high side because you want to get it in the snow. Okay. So that you can stick. You want it to go in the snow if you start yeah. to slip. Well, you look that up when I'm talking. I will. I'm curious now. Yeah. <laughs> so stream crossings. Made most major stream crossings are bridged, but not all high water or bridge dams can also mean encountering unexpected or difficult stream crossings. Scout for the best crossing. Look for wider, shallower areas with safe downstream conditions. Cross in the morning before snowmelt swells the water level. You want to unbuckle your pack straps, wear secure footwear, and angle your travel across the current. Never tie yourself while you cross never attempt an unsafe crossing and if in doubt turn back and wait for help uh cross-country travel if you've not traveled cross-country in the cascades 
However, ask an expert ranger for advice on your intended route. Most cross-country travel is undertaken by mountaineers with climbing objectives. Some routes or lakes might look easy or close on the map, but thick brush and very steep terrain can quickly turn an off-trail adventure into an unintended epic, with hours required to travel even very short distances. Cross-country shortcuts, in quotes, can be very time-consuming <laughs> or even dangerous plan a realistic trip. So we don't normally talk, the park service doesn't normally um, recommend going off trail, but in this park, and I've never hiked there, so I don't know firsthand, but this park obviously has a lot of off trail hiking by mountaineers getting to their spots. So I bet they just don't even make paths because it's so yeah like ridiculous. So like, yeah, if you want to go for it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good luck. Uh, if you do have an emergency, uh, this is just some of the stuff you've, if you listen to the show, you've heard it a million times. So good. It's drilled home. Yes. Leave an itinerary with somebody, including your trip route locations of your vehicle. And when you plan to return, this information can be critical in initiating a search or rescue. If you get lost, the best thing you can do is stay and put and wait Keep yourself as comfortable as possible and make yourself noticeable using a whistle, bright clothing, a signal mirror. If injured, treat the injury using your first aid supplies, which you should have on you. <laughs> make uh, make the person, if it's not you, make the person as warm as possible or dry as possible and send for help. Keep in mind that rescue efforts could take hours or days depending on the weather and terrain. Cell phones. They don't always work, but we always tell you to bring them. If you bring a cell phone for emergencies, be aware that tree cover and steep mountain walls block most coverage, uh, but they do have a flashlight, which is very yep. nice. Some climbers at high elevations have used cell phones to successfully report an emergency, but never rely on a cell as your sole emergency evacuation plan. If calling via cell, state your name and phone number up front in case the connection is lost. Cell calls from wilderness areas often reach dispatch centers far from your location, sometimes in Canada, and it may take hours for logical responding, uh, logistical response from the right agency to receive your information. So the overall difficulty of Hidden Lake Trail, our friends over at All Trails, which I'm still trying to get to sponsor the show, uh, <laughs> say it's an eight-mile round trip. Uh, it's steep, gaining feet in four miles. Uh, gaining 2,700 feet in four miles. It starts at 3,600 feet in thick vegetation, typical of a rain-soaked North Cascades, and wind into the Alpine Meadows. Wines. Uh, wines. <laughs> wines. Windies. Yeah. In the Alpine Meadows of wildflowers before reaching a rocky granite saddle, and then at 6,700 feet, the lookout itself. Uh, they list the trail as hard because of the elevation gain and all that good stuff. So, Mike... I think I'm not talking very good because I haven't yet <laughs> drank this magic mind stuff that we've heard so much switch about. Switch back to the full screen. I got to go back. Oh, yeah. So, there yeah, no. Uh, thank you again to Magic Mind. Um, we've been, they've been a sponsor in the past. We've both been longtime users of the product. We got a, got a case oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah. They sent us like a case a and case a bag full of them. What's this? Here, I'll hold up to the camera. You keep talking about it. Um, so in, it's really funny. So the last time we spoke about Joe and I spoke about magic mind, it was just after I had my first child. Yeah. <laughs> You're and literally like, I'm tired cause I have a new baby. Yeah. And so here, cheers. Salud. Salud. It's good. Yeah, no, it's good. We, we were talking about this before we even started the show about how 
This is a PG show, so I won't say what I said before about the other energy drinks, but... <laughs> well, you can, like, five-hour energy, like the gas station not shots we, that... Not, we'll bleep that out. We don't want to call anybody out. I just did. Who cares? <laughs> what are they going to do? Sue us and then get us more exposure? Um, no. If, yeah. So, okay. Those other drinks that last for a specific <laughs> amount of hours, um, they don't taste good. They give me a headache, and, like, it's... It comes on hard and yeah. then goes away fast. I know. I don't know. Five hour. I mean, it should be like five minute like rush and then you're like falling asleep. And then four hours of shakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I was saying um, the last time we spoke about Magic Mind uh, was after his first child. And maybe I think Magic Mind might be stalking me because I just had my <laughs> second child uh, two months ago and I'm again exhausted all the time now also with a two-year-old at home it's just a, a destruction and something like magic mind is great for uh you know i would take it in the morning but sometimes i'm taking them in the evening <laughs> just to get through the last couple hours of the day um and you know yeah look at the label joe well that's that's one thing I, we talked about last time but we have a lot more listeners now what I like about it is I don't like a lot of fake chemicals and stuff. Yep. So when you look at the ingredients, it's the first ingredient, organic matcha green tea. Yeah. So that's the most of it is matcha green tea. Um, then you have organic agave, passion fruit, natural vanilla, red beets, and potassium sorbate. So it's a lot of natural stuff. They're not putting a bunch of dyes and chemicals in there. Yeah. Uh, it's only 21 calories and total is three grams of sugar. Yeah. No. And you know, sugars and everything, if you're trying to lose well, weight that's, or cut oh, down. Well, that's like, probably from like the, the beet or something like it's, it's a, a, such a small amount of sugar. It's probably the natural stuff that's in the, the stuff they're putting in it. So no, but I mean, this stuff really is great. If you're a caffeine addict, like I am and you, you need, are a caffeine addict, I you, love caffeine. You have caffeine pills. Yeah, but that's I mean, a whole nother level. It's to get you going in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tell yourself that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love this stuff. And, um, you know, if you, the company is a good company too. We've talked about them before, but um, Joe just read off some of the ingredients. Um, you know, it can help with your memory, which I need a lot of help with. Mood, I'm always cranky and grumpy right now, so it's great for helping me, you know, get in a better mood. Uh, not sleeping damages my focus. This is great for that. Oh, it says it's best served chilled. I don't think we've ever... Ref we got to throw it in the refrigerator. No, we've already... Yeah. We've, I've only drank at room temp, and it's I, yeah. I like it just fine, but yeah. I, it's probably really good cold. I'm gonna, we're totally going to throw those in the fridge. No, and they, uh, you know, they're a good company. They... Uh, they have a goal of going carbon neutral and they, they donate um, to reforestation programs uh, and they contribute five cents of every bottle sold to mental health charities. So uh, at least, you know, you know, you're helping out some worthy causes. Um, you know, what, what did you say? F uh, five cents of every bottle sold? Yeah. Goes to different charities. Oh, mental yeah. Mental health charities. Lion's Mane, uh, Cordyceps Mushrooms. So it's got the, no, the nootropics in there. It's got vitamins. It's got a lot of good stuff. Yeah, it's good. And I mean... Committed uh, to carbon neutral production process. Yeah. Reforestation programs, Northern California and the Amazon. So it's a good company. Uh, they've been good to us. Uh, they first approached us when we were very small relative to what we are now. I mean, we are doing... And you doing know what? If your option is to 
give your money to, you know, companies. I made the joke last time that um, do big stunts of jumping out of balloons or a company that's going to give some of the money they make back to reforestate. I, for Joe and I, the mental health thing is really important, but also protecting natural lands like the rainforest and reforesting, mm-hmm. you know, areas that have been, you know, maybe clear cut or whatever damaged by fire. So that's really important, especially for future generations enjoy nature. Yeah. You have all these kids. That's why they're tapping into you. You got kids. <laughs> yeah. You got to have these four services around for yeah. years to come for all of our kids so, to go out hiking. And we're <laughs> at least two of our children have to carry the show on. Yeah. And you know, forever. I think magic mind, <clears throat> they should, uh, you know, maybe they should try doing a, an, an alcoholic version of this. I think they could cover the whole market then. So, uh, Cure your hangover as you obtain it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we could just invent a, a locations unknown version of the Magic Mind drink. There we go. I, I think there's like a bottle of vodka out there. You know, these are like- <laughs> small. I was just thinking these are small enough. You could, I would take these on my trips, Ooh, hiking trips. Uh, we should totally do that. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll order a box before our next big trip and then use those every day. I mean, I legitimately would take these yeah. in, in the morning to wake oh, 100%. up. 100%. Because it's hard making coffee oh. out in the trail. Well, it's hard making coffee, and especially the first three days of any hiking trip, because we we're so sedentary, and then you get out there, yeah. and everything is painful. You're yep. inflamed. It's got all the stuff in there that makes you feel better, and it's yeah. really compact. Like, the size it's alone, like, you could carry 10 of these things in your, in your oh, yeah. pack, and it wouldn't take up space. Yeah. So no, thank you to Magic Mind. Yeah, uh, thank you guys so much. You really do use your product, and uh, we hope everybody listening, um, you know, maybe uh, here's a here's some homework for everyone listening for next time. Um, get a case of Magic Mind, and then at the the half halfway point of the episode, Joe and I'll slam a few more shots of these next episode, and you can do it with us remotely. There you go. And then you're helping out our friends at Magic Mind. Yes. <laughs> so. And I, again, they were early supporters of our show. Yeah. When we were doing like a couple hundred downloads an episode only. And they liked our show. They, they gave us some cash that helped move us along. And uh, No, and it's good stuff. I, I really do great. like it. Um, no, we said that last time. We don't, uh, we don't promote products. We've been approached by other products that we don't like or don't use, and we don't take it. Like, yeah. We, we don't need money that bad that we're going to sell our soul. Uh, this is good stuff. I mean, Fleshlight has been trying to get on the show for years, and we've said no. Just kidding. That's like the third time you've made that joke. It's like telling us something there, Mike. Any on that note, Magic Mind is a great, is a great energy shot. It's healthy. It's got good stuff in it. And then with that, let's go into our character profile and learn about Rachel uh, Lackaduck. Lackaduck. Um, so. Like Joe said, um, we've got two people that have uh, gone missing on this trail, the Hidden Lake Trail, and our first subject is Rachel Lackaduck. Uh, she went missing on just uh, October 17th of 2019, a Thursday. Now, interesting for both these cases is the remains have been found for both cases, which is something that normally isn't the case. So... Um, so her remains were found. Um, I won't tell you the date yet. Leave you in suspense. Um, she was a female, age 28. Uh, five I foot think f- you're not supposed to say it at all in the beginning. Well, <laughs> I mean, a, a simple Google search will, uh, you know, let you know that. But <clears throat> so age 28, she was five foot four, 130 pounds. Uh, she had red hair, brown eyes. Gear she was last seen in was a green hiking backpack, purple sleeping bag, orange sleeping pad. 
Yeah, for our video watchers, I have her uh, missing persons report pulled up, and it has her image as well as uh, the stuff she was using. Yeah, she was in a blue bagale. She had blue um, bagale hiking poles. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, she was wearing thermal tights under shorts, a long-sleeved long shirt under a NASA tank top. See, we should have drank these before the show because they had to well, kick I, in now. I did have one before the show, and then oh. I took another one. Oh, you, ha- you really do have a newborn at home? Yeah. This is just to <laughs> make sure I can drive home. You're going to have like seven more <laughs> before we leave. The case will leave. be gone before we're done. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <clears throat> her personality, so she uh, really loved animals, and um, she also wasn't afraid to speak her mind, so um, a very confident person. Uh, her and her husband... Um, for a while traveled as missionaries to places like India, South Africa, Ireland. Uh, but sadly, uh, they got divorced the August before she went missing. Uh, and then she moved back in with her dad at, um, Moses Lake. Um, it's unknown if she had experience in this location, but, um, she did really like to hike and she's done it before and family and friends said she was pretty experienced at hiking just based on how much she's done it. So. I, I can tell you based on her gear, she's an experienced hiker. Yeah. I mean, the only people that have good gear like that either have too much money, never hiked before <laughs> yeah. or are good at hiking. Yeah. And it, and invest in their gear. Yeah. Cause it really can, you know, make the difference. Yeah, absolutely. A nice pair of boots and a, a good pack and some light gear. Uh, okay. So. Jumping right in the timeline here. So prior to Rachel's hike, Rachel had planned to spend the night at the Hidden Lake Lookout uh, for her 28th birthday. It was a bucket list objective uh, her and her husband, Jamie, had wanted to do. They had planned to do it together in 2018, but he had worried they weren't in good enough shape and they pushed it a year. And then, unfortunately, they ended up getting divorced, so now she ended up doing the hike alone. So... It's now October 17th, 2019. It's a Thursday, 7 a.m. Rachel woke up early that day and drove her white Jeep Cherokee westbound out of Moses Lake, Washington. When she arrived at the park, she registered for her hike at the ranger station and then parked at the Hidden Lake Lookout Trailhead. So she's doing the right thing. She's letting the rangers know what her plan is. Uh, So it's now October 17th, 2019. Uh, Still Thursday. It's 2 p.m., uh, around this time is when they think she started her hike. She <clears throat> she also planned to meet a friend in Belling- Bellingham the next day. So she really only planned to be up there one night. She had made plans with friends. So um, we, we only expected her to be there overnight. So now it's same day, October 17th. It's 4 p.m. Rachel had made it about 2.5 miles up the trail and was at 5,500 feet of elevation. That's when two hikers coming down saw her. They stopped and chatted. Uh, This was right around when a pretty nasty winter storm was rolling in and snow had already started falling. She asked the uh, couple coming down about conditions ahead. They told her they had turned back at 6,200 feet. The trail was hard to follow, obscured by snow above the tree line and exposed the elements, exactly what we warned about in the safety tips for this area. The couple was also very surprised how she was dressed. Like we said, thermal tights under shorts and a long sleeve shirt under a NASA tank top. Um, but they said she seemed confident, had other clothes in her pack, and was moving very well. Uh, they eventually told law enforcement. So debatable that the gear she had on was 
right for that condition. <laughs> I don't think I'd be hiking in those, you know, that light gear. So it starts it, right here. I thought it started way down, but there's a tiny parking lot right here. Yeah. So I'll zoom out a little bit. There's the lake. So it doesn't seem like a lot, but you can tell, what was it, 2,700 feet of elevation gain? Yeah, and you four go, and a half yeah, miles. Yeah, this is, that's gnarly. That's not easy. Yeah, that's Down a there. nice little hike. That's that's a cool hike, actually. I'd love to do this hike. All right, keep going, sorry. Yeah, so... Um, you know, the couple that was coming down were surprised that she seemed kind of underdressed for the conditions. I am too, based on her, uh, you know, experience, according to her family. If, if I was hiking and it was snowing out, I wouldn't be, I'd have some kind of winter gear on. Um, but so the couple that she encountered continued down the trail towards the trailhead and Rachel had continued up. Uh, what happened after that contact with Rachel and the couple, um, is all just speculation. No one really knows what happened. But shortly after the area where she met that couple, the trail takes a hard turn to the, the hiker's left. And in a snowstorm, this would be very easy to miss. Um, according to her father, Brad Tripp, he believes she missed the turn and at some point realized things were bad and tried to turn around, but that point was lost. Uh, say that last part again where it takes a hard left. So right about, so she met that couple about two and a half miles up the trail and it takes a hard turn to the hiker's left. To the hiker's left. Okay. So I'll, I'll go, keep going. I'm going to okay. find that spot on here just cause I'll, I'll start this over. So it's now October 18th, 2019 Friday evening. This is when she was reported missing. Her Jeep was also located by a sheriff's deputy in the, the parking lot of um, the trail at this time, the storm had really set in, and the it actually was bad enough that the search and rescue operation had to be halted on Friday due to the poor conditions. So <clears throat> now this is interesting. So going forward now, we have the search and rescues going on, but I've got st- her mom was very good about posting updates for the search on their the Find Rachel Facebook page. So... These are all quoted statements from her mom kind of going over the timeline as it happened uh, for the search and rescue. I think they're talking about right here. This is about, this is roughly two and a half miles. Okay. And this is pretty steep. Yeah. And so it's a hard left and then there's a switch back to get across here. Yeah. So if you, I could imagine this looks like a snow, like a, a water. If you're looking for something like this, you yeah. could think you have to go straight across. And this looks pretty steep if you went in the wrong spot. Yeah. So and if it's snow covered and or the visibility is very yeah. Poor. If it's snow covered, I can't imagine that'd be easy to to catch. Yeah. So all right, it is October twenty first, twenty nineteen, which is a Monday. This is a statement from her mom on the search and rescue. So uh, Rachel's rescue has been turned over to the uh, Skagit County Sheriff's Department tomorrow. They're sending out a four-man ground uh, SAR crew in the afternoon. If the cloud cover rises a bit, they'll fly in with another helicopter. If Tuesday's attempt fails, an extensive SAR team and the Wedby Navy will each attempt a rescue, coordinating their efforts to retrieve Rachel from Hidden Lake Peak. So at this point, they kind of assumed she was stuck on the peak. And because of the weather, search search crews weren't able to get up there yet. So um, they were holding out hope that she was held, you know, holding out in the little cabin on the top. Um, 
So I'll see if I can see that on the Google one. I won't see it on all trails, but yeah, I don't know if, uh, if it'll show up on the, the map, but yeah, there's a little cabin at the top. So they were holding out hope that they would find her up there. Um, so it's now, yeah, there it is. Oh yeah. There's a little cabin. So that's what everyone assumed. Everyone figured, well, the weather got bad. She got to the top and now she's stuck up in the cabin. So, um, it's now October 22nd, 2019 Tuesday search and rescue workers were finally able to reach the hidden lake lookout. They hoped she had taken shelter in the cabin at the top, but she was not there. The trail of the lookout was covered in two to six feet of snow at this time, which had all fallen since the day Rachel went missing. So she was missing, and then two to six feet of snow fell. <laughs> That's Jeez. a lot of snow. So before Tuesday's search, um, they conf- um, confirmed search and rescue crews had tried to ascend the mountain twice since Friday with hopes of finding uh, Rachel. They had to pull back each time due to snowy, unsafe conditions. At the time, Rachel's sister had told law enforcement she believed Rachel had water and some food with her. Her sister was quoted saying, she was prepared for a moderate hike and to spend the night. She has hiked before, but I wouldn't consider her very experienced. Uh, So here's another statement by her mother. Minutes ago, we learned that our sweet Rachel never arrived at the Outlook Tower. Uh, There'll be a dog and personnel search for her tomorrow to look for her body. So... I think the family at this point was starting to resign themselves that it's now kind of trending towards recovery and not, you know, they're not going to find her alive, sadly. So uh, it is now October 23rd, 2019, a Wednesday, another statement by her mother. So three canine packs, a 15 man crew on the ground and a helicopter search with rangers who know the terrain it's a roller coaster of emotions and uncertainty. The odds of finding Rachel alive are slim, but the Rangers told us this morning that <clears throat> this is still a search and all capitals rescue effort. So they're holding out hope. Um, in those conditions with her, the gear she had, I think most people probably knew they weren't going to find her, but uh, alive that is. So it's now October 24th, 2019, Thursday. Uh, next statement by her mother. No dogs today. Three star mountaineers are on the mountain checking a specific tree-lined area. Helicopter crew is up and checking the train. No search tomorrow due to adverse weather, but the search will resume on Saturday and Sunday. So it is now October 28th, 2019. We have another statement from her mom, and this is kind of at the point where the search is about to wind down. So Rachel's mom posted this on Facebook early Monday. Um, With heavy hearts, we report that search and rescue attempts now have changed to the status of recovery only. Despite multiple efforts to rescue Rachel off the mountain, none of the SAR teams were able to locate her. Their determination and dedication never wavered. They employed every resource available to them, and the Marble Mount Ranger Station will send a helicopter up again Wednesday to search the forecasted snowmelt above the tree line. We thank the Sheriff's Department for handling our family with compassion. So... Uh, it's sad, but there, you know, in reality, no one's going to survive that long in the elements. Um, so they kind of switched it over to a recovery mission. So now on November 1st of 2019, we get an update from the county sheriff's office. Uh, they, they wrote, search efforts are resuming Saturday and Sunday for the missing hiker. 
Uh, Rachel at Hidden Lake Lookout, an aerial search of the area was conducted Wednesday. Ground searchers and mountain rescue teams from around the state will be searching this weekend in areas that have and have not been previously searched. <clears throat> we have also requested canine teams and drone operators that are with certified search and rescue teams. So uh, they're still trying and uh, nothing, they haven't found anything yet. So um, November 6, 2019 is when the official search ended. And this is a statement from the sheriff's office. The search for Rachel at Hidden Lake has been suspended. Ground search efforts will be suspended depending on weather and results of air searches. The sheriff's office and SAR would like to thank everyone involved in the search for Rachel. So, and then um, it go case goes cold for a couple years. Um, family and friends continued to <clears throat> search uh, every you know free free minute they had, and nothing nothing was found. But then uh, there was a break in the case on August fourteenth of twenty twenty one, and this first statement is per um, or no. I don't know the statement of the yet. So this, so remember Samantha Sayers, the case we did on her a while back? Uh, vaguely, and I think a, a, a fan just was asking about that same one. Yeah, so she went missing in 2018. So while in the general area of where Rachel went missing, Kevin Dares, Samantha Sayers' boyfriend, and Bud Carr Jr. were searching for... Uh, Samantha Sayers when they stumbled onto Rachel's remains. So and this is kind of a little bit of a back and forth that um, Kevin and Carr had. So while out looking, um, Carr says over the radio, Kevin, status report. Kevin responds, I'm at 4,500 feet. While Kevin is surveying the landscape around him, something catches his eye to the right. In a depression beneath a tree, a flash of orange out of place in the rain... In it, like the, the greenery of the mountain. Kevin radios back to Carr. What color was Rachel's pad, backpack, and sleeping bag? A different member of the search party responds, We're looking for a green backpack and a purple sleeping bag. Not sure about the pad. Carr interrupts. Orange, orange, thermarest. <clears throat> looking closer, uh, Kevin sees next to a log and up against a rock an orange thermarest folded as if used as a cushion to sit on. Next to that, a green backpack and a purple sleeping bag, two trekking poles, two boots, and red hair. He radios back to car. I've got her. Uh, Kevin found Rachel's remains at 4,500 feet, 1,000 vertical feet below where the two hikers chatted with her. She was 3,300 feet and three miles from the road, but she was on the right track. A winter storm um, was brutal that at that point, and she was trying to head down. So... Next, all they did was they called the sheriff. They didn't touch anything. They flagged evidence. Uh, they put pink tape hanging from the branches. Someone uh, texted the father, and over the next couple of days, the, the Joe's pulling up some pictures of the scene. Oh, yeah, there's her pad, <clears throat> her pack. Kevin is in the blue, and that's Carr. Okay. Um, so... The, the sheriff's office came in and the uh, next couple of days got the remains and gear out of there and back to um, the family. So before we move on to the, the other subject, I wanted to make mention of um, Bud Carr. So a lot of controversy surrounds this gentleman in the, the Pacific Northwest. Oh, really? Like, Yeah. 
So him specifically. So Bud Carr, a quick little synopsis of his life. Um, he was born in 1978 in, Cal- in San Bernardino Valley. He moved to Colorado as a child and live, and now lives in the uh, Northwest Washington, in a small rented home on the Skagit River with his wife and three kids. He's uh, <clears throat> he works as a journeyman carpenter. Um, his father, Carlton Carl senior was an entrepreneur jumping from hustle to hustle. Uh, but his most successful venture was a gold mine in Colorado. While his dad worked at the mine car played and explored in the mountains, driving, uh, driving down together after a day of work car senior would quiz, Bud on what to do if he got stranded on the mountain road, go to the Creek, follow the Creek to the river, follow the river to civilization. He learned how to hunt, to build shelters, to insulate himself with leaves, how to travel in the mountains. So, Carr is kind of one of those self-taught survivalists. Um, he, you know, he seems basically growing up that way, you know, pretty well equipped to handle himself. Sure. But he's had, he had a troubled uh, life as a, a young person. At uh, age of 19, he started dating a, a woman who beca- he became friends with, um, who was convinced society would collapse in the year 2000. Uh, the duo hatched a plan to steal guns from a Bass Pro Shop. One night in July 1997, Carr and six other guys dressed in all black smashed their way into the store and stole between 80 and 100 guns. Jeez. Um, unfortunately, they were caught. Carr spent five years... Did you in, say unfortunately? I mean... Uh, <laughs> well, unfortunately for him, but yeah. fortunately for... For people? The law-abiding public. Yeah. Uh, they were caught, and Carr spent five years in a Missouri prison... Um, and well, he's all about peace, can't you see? Or is that car? That's car. Okay, yeah, he's he's all about peace. I don't know. Well, he, I mean, here's story. So yeah. I'm looking at a, a tattoo he's got on there. He has a swastika tattoo on his body too. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, you just can't see it here. It's, yeah, it's probably on the other side. Oh, so that's a po- opposing ideologies just well, tattooed on his body. But okay. So, <laughs> um. While in jail, he was very rebellious and combative and spent numerous times in solitary confinement, also contemplated suicide, but then eventually converted to Buddhism. So his body, like I said, is covered in ink. Joe's showing a picture of him, including a swastika. And he's wearing shorts with gaiters. That makes zero sense. Wear pants. Okay. Well, here, let me finish because this isn't part of the story. I want to give a kind of okay. a, yeah, he's a, he's an odd duck. That's for sure. So, um, <laughs> oh, man. he has a swastika tattooed on him, although he says, um, it's orient, you know, it's based on the traditional Buddhist way, not the Hitler way. In addition to the swastika. That is true. It was a symbol of a religion, a peaceful religion before his, uh, co-opted yeah. by the nazi party but I probably still still went tattooed yeah it's it still it's too late yeah they, maybe in, it's in ruined maybe in four thousand years you <laughs> yeah. can go back to using it but um so still too soon he is converted to buddhism he served his time you know for the crime he committed um he's worked on many searches but became known to kevin during the samantha sarah search where he publicly was convinced kevin killed her um but then he met kevin and Kevin turned out to be grateful that Carr was searching. He thanked him, and the two ended up searching together. But the drama continued even after the official search for Samantha ended. Several GoFundMe campaigns popped up. Folks started questioning where all the money went. Carr posted a picture of himself lying in the forest surrounded by expensive freeze-dried meals. Someone also found his criminal history. Someone else commented on his swastika tattoo, calling him a Nazi and a racist. In response, he launched an Instagram campaign Posting photo after photo of, swa- of swastikas, 
in the traditional Buddhist way. And then there was a drone operator who also started a GoFundMe campaign who accused Carr of pretending he served in the military because of all the military camouflage he wore. Carr posted a 30-minute live YouTube video during which someone called him ridiculous. He responded by calling them a weak A fool. I had to keep it PG. Yeah. Um, and challenged them to meet and challenged him to meet him on the mountain. Uh, the meeting never happened. And then another gentleman, a gentleman, uh, Ron Goins, for 20 years has worked with County Search and Rescue in Western Washington in one of in one form or another. He's proud of what the volunteers do. He's a staunch defender of Washington's system, calling it the best in the country by a mile. He's also a frequent online critic of Carr, and he's an administrator for it. The truth. Uh, the truth of the Sam Sayers case uncensored Facebook page. His biggest complaint, Carr's ceaseless self-promotion, a paramount code in the search and rescue world, he said, is to not squawk about victories or defeats. The videos, the posts, the paramil- paramilitary theatrics, all that makes Goins and others roll their eyes and, in his view, undermines Carr's mission. Um, so, you know, he um, he's defended... The that's you know the swastika stuff, and he says he's he wears a hat with a German um, iron cross on it, mm. and um, he says it's he's proud of his German heritage. Um, he's just a rabble rouser <clears throat> that hasn't figured it out yet. Yeah, no, not, I'm, not no, I'm not I'm not basing off anything, but it just sounds kind of like an not a a bright fellow. No, and I mean he's um you know in the search and rescue I think circles I'm being, I'm being nice. Yeah, in the search and rescue circles in the Pacific Northwest, he's seen as a villain. In late July, the Tacoma Mountain Rescue Unit Facebook page posted a photo which was photoshopped of a bearded man with a Pinocchio-length nose wearing a do-rag and smoking a cigarette. The post called out the search for money operators who peddle lottery odds, lottery odds fantasies to vulnerable grieving families. They wrote out, they quoted, would a glove or a boot bring closure to a family? Not in our experience, the state or the, the Facebook post states. So, um, I just wanted to, it's like a soap opera. I wanted to include that because, uh, it's very interesting. This guy, Bud Carr does go out and search. He's, you know, he's trying to find these people. He, he says he never gets paid for the searches. Like, he doesn't ask for money. Yeah, but he just shamelessly self-promotes himself as a hero and a rabble-rouser. And, I mean, you got you got actual legitimate mountain rescue teams, you know. Yeah. The search for money operator. It does seem kind of scamish, you know. These fa- this family's just lost somebody or they're desperate to find him, and someone comes in and says, yeah, I can go help you. I'll find him. Yeah. And like, when the odds are stacked against I'm going to go ahead on the record and say he's not a good person. <laughs> And I'll I've, just stay there. Good, bad people can do good things every now and then. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's doing a good thing, and his motives maybe are are not as pure of heart. Um, yeah, but it seems like the bad things are outweighing if the few tru- good things. If he truly is not, you know, asking for money, um, and he's going out there searching after the official searches are over, you know, I guess more power to him. Yep. But so I don't know that was just interesting. <laughs> I, we've never had a, a case where we, uh, like such a controversial person. There's a SAR villain. Yeah, a SAR villain. Like that's new. So I just wanted I, to bring I, that I up. I pulled up some trip reports on All Trails too oh, from yeah, the year. day after. So this is literally the day after the day she was reported missing, October 18th. 
Uh, Five-star, great hike, but we did not finish it about a third of the way up. The trail was covered with a fresh blanket of snow, masking the trail. We had to break trail across the traverse and use a GPS and a few visual indicators to stay on the trail. We turn around less than a mile from the lookout due to worsening blizzard conditions and increasing depth and snow. We saw a search and rescue going up on our way down. They were looking for a missing hiker. They did not make it to the lookout either because of the bad weather conditions. So it's possible that she was probably still alive at this point and just hunkered down. Yeah. And the worsening conditions, my guess. It just got worse and Yeah, worse. the next day, snowing a lot in the meadows, almost made it to lake. However, due to falling and being pregnant, we decided to turn back before I got hurt. Would love to see the trail in winter. Uh, then on the 22nd, there, uh, someone gave it one star. <laughs> There's a search and rescue effort underway for a young woman. She started her hike last Thursday and has not been heard from. The weather has been too bad for a team to get there and search for her. So that's that's terrible. I, I bet yeah. she just hunkered down and didn't have the supplies and the warmth to last as long as it I took people to get to her. This goes to one of the things we always talk about is check weather conditions before you're going to go for a hike. Yeah. Um, even if you had the proper winter weather gear, like I'd, I would say she was not prepared for the storm coming in. Well, and it's... um. You could if, still, did she have the opportunity to turn around and didn't? I mean that yeah. that'd be one thing too. It's it's she I did when she was talking to that couple. They said it was impassable at sixty two hundred feet, and she just kept going. Yeah, if someone told me that, I'd be like, all right, well, let's yeah, try see, it tomorrow. That's where I, or, I don't have a death wish when I do this stuff. No. If if I haven't experienced someone with me saying don't do something, I'm like, okay. Or if someone's <laughs> coming down the mountain and they were just up there, yeah. and said we can't, we couldn't go further. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, well, I'll walk down with you guys. Uh, I'll be honest. It would depend. If I saw a pregnant woman who said I can't go further, I might go look. Yeah. But if I, if I seen a couple dudes in full trad gear, like teched up saying it's not worth it, um, that actually happened to us in Long's Peak. Yeah. We wanted to summit, and there are two dudes came up that were wearing their Everest jackets because they had summited Mount Everest, and they said, that's ah, too dangerous. I said, well, that means it's too dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, dudes that have summited Everest said this is too dangerous. We're not going. No, I mean, at the end of the day, like hiking is supposed to be, it's fun. It's yeah. not our job. Like I'm not dying doing it. <laughs> like if I don't yeah. have to. Yeah. You have <laughs> newborns and, and well, uh, just, I mean, unnecessary risk. I mean, especially if you live out there. Yeah. If you live like, um, near this, just come back when the storm is gone. Yeah, come back. You know, I, go yeah. home, drink some magic mine, and <laughs> come so, back later. Um, I don't. There's not really a theory. I mean, she her remains were found. I just think, like you think, probably. That I think she got stuck. She got turned around, stuck, and then the, yeah, it, the it looked like it looked like from that one image. I'll pull that up one last time, and then we'll move on. It looked like from that one image that um, no, not that one. The one where you can see her gear. This one. It looked like she was probably hunkered down here. Yeah. Because this is, what, a year later? Um, uh, two. She two was years later? She was missing in 2019 and found in 2021. Yeah, so this probably could have been a bunch of other stuff. I mean, she didn't have a tent if she was day hiking. Yeah. So she probably didn't have a tent. She had a so sleeping she bag because she planned to stay in that cabin at the top. Yeah, so she probably tried hunkering underneath this log or something. I'm just guessing. She looked like she tried to burrow in. I'm guessing in. she got lost first. I'm guessing she went further up. Oh, sure. No, I agree. Turned around, lost the trail. Yeah. And, and then, then got to a point this where, is just, where she ended up. Yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah, sadly. I mean. Yeah. Um, I don't think this one's as mysterious. It's it's unfortunate. I think it's a good lesson of, like you said, if you, if you get a gut feeling that you shouldn't go, don't go. Yeah. 
just don't. It's not worth it. You can come back, <clears throat> especially so, if you live out there. Yeah. So our uh, real quickly here, our second case is Tom Simon Seth. Uh, he went missing on Saturday, May twenty second of twenty twenty one. His remains were found in July of twenty twenty one. But there's a little bit of an interesting thing here at the end with the remains. So we'll get into that. But he was age sixty sixth. We don't have a lot of information on his um, description. Um, he didn't have any medical issues that we know of. Mike uh, Woodmansey, who was one of his uh, hiking companions and an experienced hiker who volunteered with Search and Rescue, um, said Tom. <laughs> Tom has been, <laughs> we got some window. We got yeah. some window love. Um, Tom has been very athletic his entire life. So. And so everyone said he was an experienced hiker, according to his friends. Mike and Tom hiked that the trail in October 2020 and then returned to try and hike it again in the spring of 2021, but turned back because of snow. Um, so he has hiked this trail before. Um, so timeline for this one starts off on May 22nd of 2021. Uh, Tom left for his hike and was supposed to be back home by 7 p.m. Tom's wife... Uh, Rose said she began to worry when she didn't hear from Tom. I was cooking dinner for him for us, and at 6.30, I realized he hadn't called me like he said he would um, when he's off the mountain. So uh, Rose phoned his friend, Mike, later that evening, and they contacted the county sheriff's office. Um, Mike and Nelson, uh, so Mike and another friend, Nelson, had just started unpacking their gear after an hours-long hike that same day. However, they knew they needed to act fast and pack up again to help their friend. Mike has more than 20 years of search and rescue experience, like I said, and gave officials heads up they were going to look for Tom. Mike said, at some point he realized, now he's talking about his friend Tom, he should stop and come down. Of course, the question on a search is, where did that choice get made and what route did he choose? Mark Nelson, the other guy that was hiking with Mike, said, he was absolutely not prepared to be out overnight. He just had day hiking equipment, so that's why we had to jump on it and get out there soon. They began searching at 10 p.m. until midnight, slept until 4 a.m., and then began searching again. Um, so now it is May 23rd, 2021, Sunday. Search and rescue team started an official search on Sunday. Tom's vehicle was found parked at the trailhead. Um, search crews from Sonomish, County joined the efforts as well as units from the U.S. Border Patrol and U.S. Navy. Other hikers saw is claimed to have seen Tom on the trail, and SAR teams were baffled. Um, but this is the same trail, right? Yeah. Okay. Just I'm, I know we didn't say that, and I assumed it was, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so you know, they uh, they said he was a tough guy. He had lots of reasons to fight to make it. And that's what you got to, you just have to count on, no stone unturned. That's the attitude you have to have. This is his friend, uh, Mike, talking again. And just saying you got to look behind every tree, beside every rock, holler his name every minute, just hoping to get that interaction. So now it is a week later. It's May 30th of 2021, Sunday. This is when the search was officially suspended. Uh, and due to no sign of Tom or his belongings. In a statement, the family said that the search was suspended due to treacherous terrain in the area and avalanche dangers. Private searcher searches continued to find 
continued to uh, look for signs of him. So move ahead a couple months and they, they get a break in the case. So it is now July 29th of 2021. It's 8.23 a.m. on a Thursday. Tom's body was finally found, apparently within sight of the trail, by Mike and Mark, his two hiking buddies. His body was recovered with the assistance of the county sheriff's helicopter. So there's not a lot of information on this because he was found, but I find it interesting that he was found within you know view of the trail a couple months later. Um, Do you think like avalanche could have moved? Maybe. So here, here's a report from the 22nd. Road was still impassable one mile from the trailhead, so add two miles to your round trip. There were three cars, other cars, when we started at 9 a.m. on Saturday and 5-ish when we got back. Took the summer route up, winter route down, which mostly meant making our own route both directions. I'll skip some of this because it's, it's steep, slick, and exposed, no fall zone, and the winter route is sort of free for all through the forest. We realized towards the bottom on our way back that there were red ribbons in the trees marking the winter route. We stopped at the saddle between Hidden Lake Peak and the Lookout Peak due to dicey snow conditions and lots of avalanche debris on the approach to the Lookout. One skier that we encountered there skied across the face of the Lookout Peak below the debris and approached the Lookout from the back of the mountain. Views of Baker all the way up. Uh, then we had, right there on the 23rd, missing hiker. If anyone's been up there, uh, he describes him. Uh, search and rescue is not located him. Please contact authorities. So all the way to June 1st, Someone put, current conditions still fairly snow-packed, trail covered with plenty of downfall. After one and a half miles or so, you'll encounter some sketchier ice or snow sheets. Wouldn't recommend going further. Uh, same day, creek crossings are unsafe to cross. Wait another two to three weeks. So it was pretty intense during those periods, basically. I like your theory that he, during the initial search, maybe they didn't find him because oh, he's probably covered in snow and then maybe an avalanche moved the remains and that's why they found him within view of the trail on July 29th. It seemed like there was a, it was just being hammered during yeah. that period of time and stuff was moving around. That'd be my only guess is if he's within view and you've experienced people and they looked again yeah. and then all of a sudden they find him. Yeah. It's, you know, both these cases um, are interesting. The fact that the, they seemed like experienced hikers, yet they went out in conditions that I wouldn't hike in, in an alpine environment. Um, you know, doesn't seem fun. To I think me. I, I chalk this up to, um, we talk about it where sometimes you can get a little complacent with your experience. So if yeah. you, um, and it could also be too, they did know what they were doing. They did know how to handle it. And you can still have accidents. You can have the people that their best are doing something and still make a mistake and, if you're in a treacherous situation, there's no room for error. You make a tiny error and that's it. I guess for me, if, if I lived out there, why add all that additional risk on to something I could do in a few days when it's clear? I, I, I don't get that. See, I, li I like <laughs> hiking in alpine, snowy, blizzardy conditions. I mean, it's one thing if it's like it's you know sunny out and there's snow on the ground. It's another thing to hike in a blizzard. I see. I kind of enjoy that. Oh yeah. See, I would not, not like a dangerous level, but it makes it exciting. And I could imagine if you're an expert, you know, look at like bear grills, although yeah. there's controversy where they think he goes to hotels at night, but like he's eating maggots and stuff. He doesn't need to do I think that. I need the, the, the survival guy. The other one, not bear grills. Oh, the more real survivor one. Survivor man. 
The one, the dude that goes barefoot. No, he's like, yeah, Bear Grylls. I think. They, oh, the one who brings his own cameras out. Yeah, he doesn't have any. Yeah, Bear Grylls. Like, I think goes yeah, and stays in like the Ritz like Carlton. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah, he's like with the camera crew eating <laughs> yeah. burgers in a hotel. Yeah. Um, the other guy, I can't think of his name. Yeah, but he brings his own equipment out, and they're like, just drop him off. Like, doing, here's your emergency beacon. Good luck. You, you know the the show on, uh, I think it's History Channel. It's called like Lost or something. I th- yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Well, Survivor Man did that like 10 decades ago, or 10, de- 10, 10 years ago. 10 decades ago, He's before TV. L- yeah, way before um, <laughs> that other show was doing it. But Yes. Um, no, I, I these are just a little bit of different cases for what we normally cover in the fact that remains were found. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're still good stories. Um, and they're definitely, it just goes to show... Um, you can be the best at what you do, or you could be an amateur at it, and you can be caught in the exact same situation. And it, also that trail in winter is very treacherous. Yeah. You should know when to turn around, and maybe just if you're not, if you're green to hiking, just don't do it. Wait for those summer months uh, where you'll have better luck. Or just, I mean, like we always hammer at home, check the weather reports. Yes, absolutely. Um, don't Don't leave for a hike if they're expecting six feet of snow. Yeah. I don't care if you enjoy hiking in Blizzard. See that's that just that wouldn't dangerous. that wouldn't be fun for me like no. a like a like a Hiking white in like snow a, taller than you yeah it just <laughs> it just quadruple the work and it just eh. yeah I mean I don't even if it's too dangerous for the search crews to make it to the top the guys yeah. who do this all the time then you shouldn't be out there hiking yeah absolutely <laughs> all right well thanks again for tuning into our show thank uh, you Magic Mind yeah thank you Magic Mind we appreciate you all for listening and sharing locations and known with your friends and family be sure to like and follow us on Facebook Instagram Twitter YouTube where you can find the videos of each episode also if you'd like to support the show monetarily please visit our website or Facebook store to buy some sweet sweet swag additionally you can subscribe to Patreon YouTube uh, Apple uh, patrons connected to Spotify so they don't yeah. have their own uh, you can go and, to Spotify and sign up oh you can through to Patreon through there oh perfect yeah. alright you can do it either way um, and we will have access to special events and shows we are very close to nailing down the date for the Zoom call we got two confirm waiting on the baby man <laughs> I, th- I think I am good for it you think you're good for it All right, so we'll confirm that and as soon as we do uh, patrons you'll be seeing that come out because we want to give you time to plan it yep. uh, I'm hoping it's the biggest one we've done uh, and, um, you also get some all, uh, some sweet stuff by signing up. And yeah. lastly, when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks. And we will see you all next time. <laughs>